Welcome to the Dog Mum Mindset Podcast, a place where we will be talking dogs, behaviour, your lifestyle and everything in between. I'm your host, Lauren Hewitt-Watts, and today is going to be a solo episode. So today I wanted to talk about separation sensitivity in our dogs and how to best live with it. So first of all, you might be asking yourself, what is separation sensitivity? I've heard of separation anxiety, but I haven't heard of this term. So this is a term that I've been using more and more because what I've been finding is that there's this um, category of dogs where they haven't got full-blown kind of the classic symptoms of separation anxiety. It's not a full behavior case. They can be left alone and they can cope relatively well with being left alone but they would rather not be left. So they are slightly sensitive to when you're going to leave them and they do want to do things like follow you around. So if your dog's got a sensitivity, it might look like they would rather sit next to you. If you start to get up to leave, they might follow you around. They might not want to be separated from you in the house. you know, they, they tend to want to spend a lot of time with you. However, this is different from separation anxiety because they're not crying, they're not um, barking when you leave the home, they're not being destructive, um, they're not really truly depressed. They're able to settle and wait for you to come back. So this is something that I think is missing in a lot of definitions of separation because it is a spectrum. It's not just your dog has it or they don't. There's this massive spectrum that's going on. And you might be thinking, you know, do I need help with this? So first of all, I do work with um, dog mums who have dogs that have got separation sensitivity because they just want to make sure that their dog is really, really well equipped to live life, you know, without having this stress or this pressure. However, Other people will just want to look at ways they can make it better and start to look at how they can start to help their dogs live a better life um, without necessarily getting a professional involved. So there are a couple of things I wanted to cover to just let you know that it's not actually your fault. So I think a lot of the time in dog behavior or dog training, we get told it's your fault, you're not strict enough, you're too soft, you let your dog get away with everything, your dog's spoiled, you're not the leader, all of these things and I think that sometimes that is so unhelpful when we actually want to come and help our dogs. First of all the change in dog ownership and the way we relate to our dogs has changed across the whole of the UK, probably the whole of the US and actually I would say worldwide. Years ago we used to get dogs that were more working dogs or they were they were a dog, they were a pet, they weren't part of the family. So the way that we relate to our dogs is so totally different to how we used to. And I think, you know, think of the term dog mum. Who would have used that term years ago? I don't think anyone would have done. Even when I started in 2013, I wouldn't have used the word dog mum. I wouldn't have called myself a dog mum. There's no way I would have said that. So social media has also, I think, driven this change towards rather than having, you know, a dog as a pet, it's all about I'm a dog mum. I live with my dog. My dog does everything with me. They they spend their whole life with me. Um, they come with me to friends' houses. They come with me on holiday. They come with me to cafes. So I think it's important to recognise that actually this huge change in society is going to drive our dogs. So it is going to change the way that they are and the the way they relate to us. So it's important to really think about how our expectations around our companions has changed and how that's going to change the way that we interact with them, the way that we train them, the way we do everything with them. So thankfully, positive reinforcement ethical training however you want to call it that has gone up massively and it's so mainstream now which is incredible to see and so this really is all about um, learning more about our dogs using motivation to get our dogs to work so I think that means that we generally have a much better relationship with our dogs so all of this this change in society this change in the way we relate to them 
is of course going to affect the way that our dogs behave and the way that our dogs are. So we can't expect us to treat our dogs like they're parts of the family, be dog mums, treat them like they're, you know, our, our dog children and expect them to just be totally independent from us. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. We've got to take the rough with the smooth. So all of the things I've spoken about have been massive positives. So the ways that we re relate to our dogs, I think is incredible now, but that also has a little bit of a flip side, which is sometimes our dogs are going to feed from that in a slightly different way and become more dependent on us. So think about children. Our children are dependent on us. They are, they're our, they're our fairy children and that's what they are. They're dependent on, on everything that we do. When it comes to feeling any guilt about your dog's separation sensitivity, I really would just think about how this isn't just you. There are probably thousands of other owners and dog mums and dog dads who are struggling with a separation sensitivity. I mean, I know because I specialise in it and I see it all the time. So don't I don't want you, A, to feel guilty about it and B, I want you to think about how it's this societal shift which has caused this change in behaviour. And again, that's not a bad thing. I don't think the shift is bad. It's just a change that has caused this to happen. Is the answer for us to stop pandering and babying and spoiling our dogs? No, I don't think it is because I don't think most people do spoil their dogs in that way. I think most people that I speak to have the most incredible relationship with their dogs. So no, I don't think it means change what we're doing with our dogs. I don't think we need to go back to the pack leader days at all. But things you could maybe think about doing to account for this are just think of yourself as a separate identity from your dog. So sometimes what I see is people are so attached to their dogs that they they basically do everything with them in terms of they don't, you know, they, they almost expect their dogs to follow them around the home. And it's that acknowledgement of like, oh, you're following me, you know, constantly being in contact with each other. Now, again, I'm never going to say to anybody, don't give your dog attention. I'm never gonna tell you to ignore your dog ever. Um, that wouldn't ever be something that I would recommend as part of a plan. However, if we've got a dog that's got a separation sensitivity, so if they don't have your attention, they're actually okay, they're, they can cope with that, they just would quite like it. Um, what you can start doing is just doing these tiny little tweaks. So what you can do is when you're going to the bathroom, for example, can you just pull the door to? And a dog with a separation sensitivity will go, oh, I can't follow you, all right, I'll just chill here. A dog with a more progressed problem is going to be the dog that starts to cry and get really distressed. So this also will give you some quite important information about where your dog is on the spectrum and sort of what you need to do to address it. Um, so things like shut it or when you go to the bathroom, things like, you know, when you get up and you move around, you don't always have to acknowledge them. You can if you want to, but don't always acknowledge them when they come with you, um, especially if you're just getting up and kind of moving around. I think it's just that acknowledgement of, can you move around the home without constantly making contact with your dog or constantly making eye contact with your dog or having your dog always be in tune with you? Again, not about ignoring, it's just about looking at these tiny little tweaks that you could maybe start to bring in. And again, a dog with a separation sensitivity will be able to cope with this really quite well. Um, and all it will do will just help them through this. So the second thing I wanted to talk about was the word that everyone has heard enough of, but the pandemic. So the pandemic, of course, changed things massively in people's lives. The pandemic for dogs was, I actually think we're going to look back and think this is a huge turning point. First of all, it means that people have been working from home more. So I don't think this is a bad thing. I think this is amazing. I think being able to have the ability to work from home, um, if you've got that, is only a bonus for everyone. But working from home more obviously just means that we're spending more time in contact with our dogs and we don't have those regular hours where we're going into the office or going into work. So if our dogs are used to always being with us, it means that when we do go to go out, 
they might respond to that slightly differently. It also means that there was such a boom in pet ownership. I think it was something ridiculous. Um, Don't quote me on this, but I think it was like a million dogs or two million dogs extra came into households in the pandemic, which is crazy when you think about it. So these dogs, let's think about it. They came into the household when everyone couldn't go anywhere. They were all locked down. And they did that for really, I mean, pretty much it was all of 2020, wasn't it? Um, It's only really now that we're maybe, fingers crossed, starting to get back to normal. So you've got these dogs that first of all came into this household. Second of all, during that sensitive development time, they never learned to be on their own. For some people, for some dogs, that wasn't a problem. For some people, they get separation sensitivity. For some people, it's led to that real classic separation related behavior. So if you're one of those people that have got a dog under, I would say the age of, let's say 18 months, then your dog is probably going to be more prone to that separation sensitivity because of the pandemic, because of this external factor that you had no control over. So again, if you've got a dog that likes to follow you around and be with you, it's probably because of this. And anyone that's saying, oh, you do A, B, C, and that makes your dog the way it is, I don't think you should feel that guilt. I think you should look at that's what happened at the time. And this is what and you're here listening to this to try and improve it as well. So what I would say for this is look at your general routine. So how much time is your dog spending with you as part of your general routine? Are they always in the room that you're working from? Are they always coming with you if you go out to work? Are they, um, you know, constantly by your side? If that's the case, what I'd really encourage you to start doing is just building in a routine where your dog starts to be able to be away from you for a period of time. So let's say half an hour is a really nice period of time. You might say, um, I know some people that say I work upstairs in the morning and I work downstairs with my dog in the day, in the evening or the afternoon. Um, or I let my dog upstairs in the morning and I you know, have my dog downstairs in the afternoon. Um, this is what I tend to do with Alto, by the way. So um, what I normally do is he normally is downstairs and I to be honest, change where I want to work. So sometimes I work upstairs, sometimes I work downstairs. And so it means that usually throughout the day, there is a period of the day where we don't have any contact with each other. But there also is time when, you know, I sit with him because I think that's quite a nice thing to do. So this can be a really nice thing to start bringing in. And again, if your dog's got a separation sensitivity, this is only going to improve it because being away from you, they're not going to struggle with it a huge amount. They might wait at the gate and have a look and think, oh, you're over there but they'll kind of settle themselves down, especially if you leave them with something nice like a Kong. Again, a dog that's got a full separation problem or is moving more towards that end of the spectrum is probably going to struggle with this quite a lot. So it's again going to give you the idea of where is your dog on the spectrum and what, what can you do to start making them feel better. Doing this is really going to also help you carve the identity, like I was saying, that's away from your dog. So they're learning they just don't need to be with you all of the time. And I think this is a really healthy thing to start bringing in for any dogs that have got a, a sensitivity around separation. The other thing, or the last thing that I wanted to speak about was dogs being bred really to want to be with us all of the time. So think about a normal family who goes out to buy a puppy. Most of these families go out and they get a puppy because they want a nice family dog and what does a nice family dog mean it means a dog that wants to spend time with you it means a dog that wants to you know be close to you as their human owners or their human parents so we're really looking for these dogs that have got this trait and I think this trait is actually being bred into these dogs with separation there is probably some genetic effect Um, so having dogs that are being bred specifically to be nice friendly family dogs that is a really good side but part of that might be that they might struggle when they're not with their their families and what are the breeds that we're seeing we're seeing the cockapoos we're seeing the 
Labradoodles, we're seeing all of the Poodle Crosses, we're seeing the Dachshunds, we're seeing dogs that are quite prone to this separation anyway because they've always been small dogs that are wanting to be with people. So looking at the way dogs are being bred is just totally different. I actually wanted to look into this a bit more and I looked at a census, um, it was the Pet Plan census, and they said in the 1980s and the 1990s, the types of dogs people were getting were the working dogs, so the Labradors, the German Shepherds, the Rottweilers. And if you look at the dogs that they're doing now, totally, totally different. So I think the dogs and the demand is bringing these dogs that have actually got separation coming into them. So again, that's not your fault. You can't account for the dogs breeding and you wouldn't know anyway, as much as we check for these health disorders, we can't check for behavior disorders. We can to a certain degree. So, um, you know, you can make sure that the mother is not anxious about you coming into the home and they're not territorial and all of these things, but we can't necessarily account for separation as easy as that, I don't think. So, especially because all puppies have got a separation issue because that's what naturally happens when you have a baby animal so it is quite difficult to be able to account for this but again it's not your fault it's not your fault if you're getting dogs that are have got a completely different gene pool to 10 20 years ago so this breeding is definitely going to have an effect along with the pandemic along with our shifts these three things mean that most dogs have got a sensitivity somewhere so what you could do with this is look at what your dog's breed is and then you could look at any breed preferences that might give you an idea of what kind of independence work you could do with them. So I really like to teach um, dogs that they can do a particular activity, but they don't need me to be right next to them while they do it. So it might be using a snuffle mat or something like that, where they go off and they do it and I can kind of potter around without really acknowledging them too much. So look at what your dog's breed is and see what they want to do. So of course, you know, hounds they love to scent so a lot of dogs like to use their nose and do some scent work scent work tends to be a really good go-to actually for all dogs because they've all been bred to have such a sensitive smell you could look at whether they like to be destructive so do you want to give them some newspaper or some cardboard to rip up while you're getting on with something so that's kind of the the shredding and, and the pulling so any dogs that quite like doing that um, are quite useful have you got a dog that's very clever and is inbred to be quite explorative so things so setting them new things up for them to go and explore while you go into something else can be really useful. So this breed knowledge can be really useful in going off and finding some independence work for your dogs to do. And then the very last thing I wanted to say was that we're just so much more aware of our dogs. So we just know so much more. So we've got behaviorists, we've got trainers, which is incredible with so much knowledge. Think about the science that's been done with our dogs. Again, compare this to a few years ago. Science is always, always, always building our knowledge. So we're starting to learn exactly what our dogs need. And I think the knowledge on dog behavior and dog body language is so much better. So we're more in tune with our dogs. We know when there's a problem. I think before, people didn't even know that separation anxiety was a problem in dogs. They didn't even know. I've spoken to people and they've been like, I don't even know that that was something that happened to dogs. I thought it was only something that happened in children. So the fact is that we've got better, we can perceive behavior issues more quickly and we're more in tune when they happen. So again, it might be that you're just, you're sensitive to your dog's separation sensitivity. Whereas before or years ago or other people might just not even realize it. They might just think that's what dogs do. You know, dogs do bark when you leave or they, they do, you know, follow you around they might just think that's what that's what happens so I think us being really aware of it is another part of the puzzle which is sort of leading to this separation sensitivity picture now I'm really hoping that this episode is starting to make you feel a little bit better and starting to make you feel like there's no guilt around the separation sensitivity it's not your fault if you need to get help of course you can get help you can get help from me um, I specialize in separation so just to recap we've got 
dogs. So the reason why you shouldn't have any guilt is we've got dogs that have uh, benefiting from a society change and the way we relate to them. We've had the pandemic affecting the development and the way that our dogs understand separation. We've got dogs being bred to being particularly family dogs that like being with people. And we're also just so much more aware of the problems just before they arise. We're more perceptive of these problems as well. So I want you to go away and I really don't want you to have this guilt anymore. I want you to let go of it. If there's anything you think you've been doing that has been contributing to it, just let it go. I hope that I've gone through and you've understood that even if you spend time with your dog all day, every day, it's a byproduct of the pandemic. Even if you have your dog sat next to your side and they come everywhere with you, it's a byproduct of being a dog mum. So all of these things should hopefully make you feel a lot better about this. And also I hope you've got some takeaways of what you can do about it as well. If you do need any help with any of this, then please do contact me, contact at dogmummindset.com and we will be more than happy to help. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you could give it a really great five-star review because it helps so, so much for the podcast being noticed and being shared. If you share this with anyone else you think would like it, that would be really useful too. If you would like some more, then you can sign up to our email list and you'll receive the car mat, which is actually included in my separation program. And it's really useful for teaching your dog to settle and relax. So just head to www.dogmummindset.com for that and for other exclusive resources that I don't release anywhere else. You can catch me over at Dogmum Mindset on Instagram. And as always, let me know how you enjoyed this episode and I would love to hear from you.